This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric Branson. with me as always, my good friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going tonight, Joe? Pretty good, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm tired. I don't know if it's the time oh, change or what, but yeah, it's been... Yeah, I hear that. We had... Our kids didn't have school on Friday last week because of some teacher workshop thing. So... Mm. Don't you hate those? I... I don't know. I get it, and I know I know what they're like. Teachers' workshop. It's like that's just a fucking day off, and in, in some cases, and maybe I'm totally wrong on that. But if it is good for you, um, but so like their their schedules always get off a bit when they have a day off, and then yeah, daylight saving stuff. And so yeah, this morning I got up at five thirty, and I got back to the house by seven, and everybody was still asleep. So I had to wake everybody up and rush them out of the house and get everybody ready in like thirty minutes. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it happens, but no, I, you know, it, we we made it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like every morning getting the kids out out of the house to school is kind of like that, just like a total clusterfuck. So yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter how much planning or you know, if get them up a little earlier or whatever. Nope, you can't do anything about it. It's just always an, a disaster. And so. we live like a block and a half away from the grade school, so the fact that my son's late by like two minutes to school every day it's like come on <laughs> we're so close yeah you know? we're not too much further than that so yeah you know, we... but it, it happens and what well, they, they seem to be okay i noticed ever since covid everybody's been really lax about stuff like that like i try not to take advantage yeah. of it but you know i remember before covid if your kid was a minute late to school three times in a row you were getting like letters and shit in the mail and angry emails and now it's like eh, it's fine <laughs> there you yeah are. i mean I, I remember that from hey it's been a long time obviously but from growing up there was no leniency on no. that it was just like you're late and you're yeah essentially no. you're truant at this point like, but. so do you have a chance to check out any new stuff over the last week not a lot, actually. I mentioned to you, I don't know if I, I said anything about it online, but we started watching the series. We're probably the last people in the country, apparently, to have started watching Yellowstone. But we, uh, yeah, started started that one. We're about five, five episodes into the first season and um, enjoying that so far. But mm-hmm. I know I'm just kind of scraping the surface on that one. Um, yeah, I've not seen... I've been so busy with school stuff and... I've just not seen much of anything recently, but um, I I just rewatched. Um, it's something I had considered doing for the show at one point, but I just rewatched the Spanish version of the 1931 Dracula film. If you, I don't know if you've ever seen the the alternate Spanish uh, version of I'm, Dracula. I'm aware of it, but no, I've never super seen. Super interesting. Um, if if you're familiar, if you're very familiar, like I am with the other film, it's it's a very interesting counterpoint to it, and then. Uh, I'm not sure I go all the way with a lot of people say it's a, a superior film. I think both of them has the, have their pros and cons, but they definitely do. They're definitely different enough, and the same enough that it's a really interesting moment of uh, 
in film history. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's something we, we watched last night. But yeah, I don't know. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot of new stuff. Started uh continued our trek through uh, Letter Kenny as well. So. Wow. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Well done. But, yeah. Um, we uh. We engaged in, in some partaking of some, some high-end cinema the other <laughs> evening uh, at the theater. We um, we went and saw Cocaine Bear. Ah, yes. And, uh, you know, it, it, no. it, it, that movie sold me on the title alone. <laughs> yeah. And it, I, this should have been a movie to write itself. I was actually a bit disappointed. Uh, it duff- I, I won't say it sucks. Bit. It doesn't suck. It's just it doesn't live up to its potential. It'd be like going to see your favorite comic, and all they're doing is like telling really simplified versions of all their best jokes and no new material. You'd walk out going, "Oh, I kind of expected it to be more than just a mild rehash of what yeah. I know they already can do." Um, and that's kind of what the, the movie was like it just didn't it didn't live up to I, its own hype i feel like this is going to be like an ultimate point of snobbery kind of comment but uh i kind of feel like people that are like really getting a kick out of it and great i'm, I'm glad there are people that are um maybe haven't seen a lot of like cult killer animal movies like i have like <laughs> you know um and think this is kind of something that's new um, but it's really not. It's something we've been, you know, those of us that are oh yeah aware of some of the and, uh, and it's it's pretty violent. I mean, it's it, it's it's pretty gory. Um, more of that than you know, cocaine fueled hilarity. Not to say it isn't yeah. funny. It doesn't. This the too few jokes land for it to be like oh that was like side splitting, mm-hmm. and the the gore stuff is fine but it's just leaned into in an odd way it it it, i I would expect a movie like that to be a little more balanced and i didn't feel like it was uh but it definitely has some gore so yeah you certainly can't call a movie cocaine bear and not come off with any you know not walk out with any laughs so it's uh i almost feel like if they would have put some kind of an old filter over the film to give it that kind of grindhousey look that it would have been so much better like it yeah. needs something to kind of help build this gimmick, which is unfortunate because you'd think with a with a basic premise of it, even though it's you know greatly exaggerated, um, yeah, that it would just kind of write itself. But unfortunately, it didn't. But I'm glad that it exists. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's I, Elizabeth Banks' um, debut feature. Yeah, and so you know, good for her. And I mean, I and. Think- uh, 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 one of the last films, not the last, as I think we were talking about, but one of the last films of the late Ray Liotta. Um, yep, yep. So, well, I, 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 hats off to her for getting this thing made and distributed in the manner that it is. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's an incredible achievement all by itself. So, like, well, and I read some interviews with her too, or especially coming off the heels of the backlash of some of the Charlie's Angels stuff. Um. You know, and some some quotes from her taken out of context about why it did poorly, mm-hmm. um, and for her to be like, "Well, you know what? I'm following this up with this," and it got made. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. I just 
would like to see I a could... little bit more next time. But yeah, it was yeah. Well, I think it's done. It's done well enough that I think it's it's cemented that there will be a next time for her. Yeah, which is which is cool. I hope so. I mean, that's Absolutely, all, all that a debut yeah. movie needs to, feature needs to do. I think. But yeah, I mean it. This it. It, it didn't completely abandon on all of its deliveries. I mean, like I said, it definitely has its gore effects, which I think you need when you're talking about a coked-up bear. Yeah. It can't all be, you know, goofy drug jokes. I actually could have used more of those, but what it didn't, it wasn't shy on was um, the blood and guts, which is appropriate for I think so. discussion yeah. tonight, because yeah. in yeah. I've, I've seen intestines on films in... <laughs> this a couple of times totally this week different. so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so the movie we uh we watched for this evening was the um uh 1980 italian supernatural horror film city of the living dead aka the gates of hell Saints Day, a demanding, implacable enemy whose search for blood is never satiated.
directed by Lucio Fulci, um, starring uh, Christopher George, Katrina McCall, Carlo De Mejo. Um, yeah, I think that's at the top blade after a uh, shot by Sergio Salvetti. Uh, those of you that are Italian film fans, music by the uh, fantastic Fabio Frizzi, mm-hmm. who, uh, yeah, I get you a, it's a super quick synopsis. Get you a quick synopsis of this one. A newsman and a prematurely buried woman <laughs> confront the living dead in Massachusetts. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, I like that one because that's about as much sense as I can make out of the plot of this movie. I think uh, they've given it a a worthy shot there. So not to be confused with the it's episode like, of the Flintstones, which has the same plot description. I mean. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, we've talked about it a couple of, a couple of times on the show, and I know when we did. Um, Gosh, my brain tonight, man. I'm telling you, the uh, I can remember the details. The Argento movie with uh, Donald Pleasance and Jennifer Connelly and the knife wielding or razor blade wielding chimpanzee, which phenomenon, um, phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, and then on other occasions we've um, talked about some other Italian horror cinema, but they certainly have a a style and a certain mode of narrative that is very like dreamlike and. And different, but this one approaches approaches the point of nonsense in a way that I feel like the others, even other Fulci films, have um, have have not done. So um, this one is uh, loosely. It says it's loosely based on the work of H.P. Lovecraft, as in I think he read a couple of Lovecraft stories and borrowed a couple of names and elements from from that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's certainly not directly based on Lovecraft at all. I've seen it on a couple of film lists of best Lovecraft films that aren't actually based on Lovecraft stories, and that I could buy. It certainly has some vibes of Lovecraft, but it's also got a lot yeah. of vibes of, of Fulci as well. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah. It's uh, to to flush it out a little bit more than than what that very brief synopsis gave us. Um, there is uh, essentially we start with a. A seance where a medium makes a connection with a priest who is in the in the act of committing suicide um, in a small town somewhere in Massachusetts called Dunwich, which of course we get there's the, there's basically the biggest H.P. Lovecraft reference is the Dunwich um, yeah <laughs> yeah Massachusetts thing um, and during this connection she is. Uh, she, she doesn't recover from they they break the connection too quickly and she doesn't recover from the trance and and is proclaimed dead it, or proclaimed dead, dead yeah. yeah yeah and buried alive um in the meantime there's a reporter covering the death i'm not exactly sure where he got the tip you know on this like seance death thing that <laughs> that happened but um and eventually like ends up following the story all the way to the graveyard and gets there the perfect moment to rescue her from the grave the two of them together start to try and find the town of dunwich uh, this 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 priest who hung himself who through yeah i don't know whatever book the other lady the 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 book I'm of enoch names yeah the book of enoch that's what it is um that when the priest died it opened a, you know seven gates to hell and in <laughs> 
etc., etc. This is all given to us in like a couple lines of dialogue here and there. Essentially, like every one of them, especially in Fulci's films, but even in other uh, Italian horror films, um, I think the plot kind of comes second to the the style and and, yeah. so, um, and some of the set pieces. This but. is the most Argento feeling Fulci movie I've seen in a while. Um, yeah, and I, it might be the most of. of I mean, I think the Beyond has some. If you're familiar, if you've seen yeah. that one, it has definitely has some of those elements as well. Well, this is the first of his kind of uh, trilogy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the, the Gates Katrina of Hell. McCall trilogy. <laughs> well, yeah, what do you? So. Yeah, they're like loose trilogy. It's a loose trilogy, mostly similar to how Romero's three dead films were. A loose trilogy, you know, the same themes, different concepts, mm-hmm. um, or or Carpenter's end of you know his apocalypse trilogy, you know, with the thing and Prince of Darkness, and, um, was it They Live is that the third one? But um, in this case, I could be wrong on that one. Uh, yeah. But but in this case, um, it really uh, I, I I think it was the music. I think Fabio Frizzi's score in this felt yeah. so much like Goblin. Yeah, yeah. Argento's band that it it kept I kept having to re Google like I'm not sure this isn't Argento have anything to do with this. Uh, and I'll also be honest, I haven't seen a ton of Fulci films. I yeah, you know I've seen um, well this and. Um, God, what was it? I, well, and I, I think I've, I know I've seen Zombie Two or just Zombie. I'm pretty sure I've seen The Beyond, yeah. and I know I've seen House by the Cemetery, um, and Conquest. We did talk about Conquest. Yeah. By the way, I have a correction because I introduced this film in our in our coming up next week as the first Fulci movie we we're going to cover, and I totally forgot that we had done Conquest, <laughs> um, which is you know a little atypical. Fulci movie, so yeah. actually not the first. Ryan corrected me on that one, so not not the first Fulci movie we've yeah. done on the podcast. But and I think you've seen a couple other ones um, as well. But I, I wouldn't say I'm like you know an expert on I, on Fulci. I'm not sure I've seen a whole lot. Most of what you've named is I I know I've seen Zombie. I've seen The Beyond multiple times. Um, I've seen The House by the Cemetery uh, many times. That's probably my favorite Fulci film that I've seen. Um, I know that I've seen other well conquest obviously. I'm pretty sure I've seen the odd other one, but I I don't know. I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I think those are mainly the ones I've seen as well. But this kind of does the same thing that a lot of other Fulci films and some Argento films did at the time where you've got your Italian crew and cast and film crew and everything mm-hmm. and then the New York and they just dub everybody. <laughs> it's really yeah. quite strange. Yeah, and uh, I think that was an Italian movie. Like uh, even some of the spaghetti westerns and stuff did the same thing. They shot a lot of things without sound because their goal was always to sell them into international markets, and they would do you know produce soundtracks in the local languages. So, yeah, you have a lot of people dubbing their lines, including some of the American actors. And like th- this whole thing is probably done with a process that's known as ADR, so yeah. post post production um, recording of all of the audio so it does give it a dubbed look um and it, for all practical purposes it is dubbed but it's intentionally dubbed it wasn't originally an italian 
and then dubbed to English. It was probably originally, you know, in Italian and English and whatever, and then they dubbed... Uh, this one actually looks like most of the people, lips-wise, are speaking English in some yeah. Yeah, form, but... Um, I also think that, like, Peter Bell and Mary... Or, or sorry, those are Christ- character names. Christopher George and Katrina McCall are... Uh, it seems like they're doing most of their own lines. Like, they maybe even, you know production sound i'm not sure but so yeah uh this also it has a bit of a cult following for some of its really gory scenes <laughs> over the top scenes of, over yeah. the top i mean there <laughs> i i didn't realize this had some scenes that really do match the wincing cringiness of like the eyeball pop with the piece of glass in mm. uh, zombie Zombie, zombie which he gives us a nice tease in this movie that you're almost going to get one of those again and then you don't but <laughs> so i i do have a question though this was actually one of my notes what is it about brunette and blonde women with green eyes and doing intense close-ups on them? it's like if a, if a green-eyed woman walks on the screen in a Fulci movie you know she's going to have a horrible death and you're going to be closing <laughs> closing in zoom up with a tight shot on her face as she's being impaled by something or some equally horrible end um, yeah but yeah there was quite a lot of that um i i felt in in this but yeah a couple of yeah, well, really he, he serious kills, gross, um, out, gross out scenes the actress that plays emily in this movie uh a- antonella inter interlingi interlan i can't yeah but um she's also comes to a you know pretty savage end in the beyond as well so <laughs> um he he kills her in a couple couple movies um yeah though there's some good ones in this one and i think the most famous one obviously is the the car scene where oh um, god where the uh well what essentially happens every time um in dunwich this whole this whole town is slowly being taken over by supposedly these gates of hell have opened and the dead have started started to rise uh from their graves however it it almost almost all the attacks by the dead are are the precursor for them is the kind of specter of this dead priest appears to people so they'll you know literally like blink onto the screen it's like a cross-cutting kind of effect um, yeah and uh the, like he kind of looks ghostly and, and he'll he'll usually he's hanging but sometimes he's not it's kind of inconsistent but um he'll appear and cause people to die in some way and then sometimes there's zombies as well <laughs> um but uh an early one and then probably the most famous scene from this movie he appears it's i don't know there's a couple parked in a car you know average horror movie stuff and um, he appears and uh, causes the the woman to regurgitate, you know, not only her guts, but what looks like it might be an ex- such an extreme amount of guts that come out of her mouth that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, it's a it's a famous scene because it's it's kind of so ridiculously over the top that it's. It, it is kind of gross. It's it's a it's a good one. It'll get you if you're into that yeah. kind of thing. But. Yeah, she literally <laughs> like, pukes up her guts for about five minutes. Yeah, um, and it just keeps kind of come pouring out of her mouth. Just, so. Yeah, and you know those are actual pig intestines she's spitting out. Cause yeah, veal intestines supposedly, from what I read on Wikipedia. Veal intestines. They don't yeah, fuck around. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, they went for the good stuff. That's, and then there's also a famous scene of somebody getting uh, their head drilled. But that one has nothing to do with, like, zombies or supernatural. It's just an asshole psycho. Yeah. <laughs> like a who, pissed uh, off dad who... It's a pissed off dad whose daughter has died, but and is blaming the kind of local weirdo, Bob, um, for, for her death, which he has no evidence of it being, besides some people who are like, oh, I think it's that weird guy, Bob, that probably did it. And uh, Bob was actually a witness to a couple of these murders and definitely did not, you know, cause them. Um, yeah, he just, uh, there's a drill, a table, what, a table a lathe, drill, yeah. kind of a lathe, yeah. Um, and drills drills through Bob's head. That's that tease I was talking about. It looks like it's going straight for his eye, like in, in zombie yeah. fashion. And then his, at the last minute, his head is, is turned and it drills through the side, like kind of right through his temple to temple. Um, yeah kind of gross doesn't doesn't get anywhere close to the the vomiting intestines but it's uh no there's, there's also a yeah. scene with an incredible amount of maggots yeah well that's that's one that i remember talking about when we watched phenomenon yeah uh you're talking about when, right away when like like oh gosh they're flinging maggots at everybody <laughs> like Are they uh, they're actually so. doing that it's it's pretty gross and that yeah, was something i mean they do that in zombie um, you know, he does that in a lot of his, his, you know, even House by the Cemetery, there's a lot, always the use mm-hmm. of worms. And some kind yeah, of I, I think in every one of his movies I've seen that there's, yeah, maggots, worms, something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. It's Which definitely I, gross. Yeah, it's a style thing, and it's definitely accomplishes, I think, what he's trying to accomplish. It's it definitely unsettling. It's gross. Um, yeah. This movie all has, and essentially, it's you know the, these two people trying to find this little town, um, and then we're getting cross cuts of the st- of a story kind of taking place in the town of Dunwich as well, uh, with a, a psychologist and one of his patients, and um, just kind of trying to get to the bottom of what the heck's going on with all these you know murders all of a sudden and people dying in, in town, mm-hmm. and we get this nice little like. Um, Fulci version of like American small town life like you have this bar scene with these three old guys that kind of offer commentary to to throughout the movie um, which is kind of funny um, I don't know the, the, the whole thing is it has, it's very it's very high on style it's got your your typical like if you if you come to a Fulci movie for kind of what he's known for as being the maestro of gore films you're you're definitely not going to be disappointed it's got some right. of those memorable memorable scenes um but as as a whole movie it kind of to me feels like and and I've seen this one ranked as his as his best as among his best few films um it the the narrative doesn't really hold up here for me and it, and that's 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 i'm saying in total understanding of the fact that you know um we've compared it to like dreamlike logic in a lot of these <laughs> kind of these type of horror films and i and i'm fine with that i actually you know kind of enjoy the some of those gaps and um the the fact that he's not going for realism here but it's uh I don't know. It's 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 pretty loose in this in this one. Yeah, the the kind of silly edits where and like cut and now this character's in frame and cut and they're out again. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like literally pausing the camcorder. Somebody when... runs off camera and you hit pause to start recording again. It does give it a dreamlike state, but kind of more just circumstantial. Like, yeah. It, overall, it's not a very good effect. It, it, it works, but... I didn't care for it, especially towards the end when it starts happening a lot, when the, when yeah. the dead rise in the cemetery, and they're they're like... I understood it when it was the the priest character because he's spectral, like he's a ghost of some sort, right? Right. And, and he's you know appearing and reappearing and all. But when all of a sudden all of like the any creature that undead creature in the movie is able to do that like flash in and out thing, well, starts to make you question but... like what's really going on? Like are these is this all real? Or it's like, <laughs> well, it would do the thing like somebody looks out the window and all of a sudden flash they're you know twenty yards away and then they flash and they disappear and then it flashes and now they're right up against the window and they flash and they disappear mm-hmm. and then they flash and now they're inside the house with you and it's like well that's kind of cheap <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah it it it, yeah, and it was this one does have some moments it's kind of a chore to get through it it can move slow in some scenes you know it's got some yeah. pacing issues Definitely. Yeah, it does. And and coming off of really enjoying a couple of his his subsequent films. So so Zombie I've always I've always appreciated, but I have some of the same gripes with that. Mm-hmm. And um the fact that it's a, it was admittedly kind of a cash in on the success of the original Zombie, which is Dawn of the Dead, the Italian version of Dawn of the Dead. Um and I had never seen this one. I really uh think The Beyond is a cool movie. And I I really, really like House by the Cemetery. I don't know. That one just... It's got a lot of the same kind of Fulci-isms throughout it. But that one, it's it being a kind of a haunted house film, and it's... I don't know. It has a really great, like, villain, creepy, whatever, you know, the... the uh, whatever his name is at the end of it. But um, that one really speaks to me because it's, it's got a lot of, like, great... I mean, honestly, stuff that's, like, straight out of, like, nightmares I remember having as a kid. It's a great, great yeah. horror film. Just style it. It's just got a great feeling about it. This one, I think, lacked that central, like, it do- It takes place, like, this doesn't have, like, a central location. I know it kind of happens in a graveyard, but doesn't really use the graveyard well as, like, to set atmosphere or anything. And by the time we kind of piece together what exactly is going on, like, with the three or four lines we get that lady reads out of the Book of Enoch... Um, none of the narrative elements help to add to the atmosphere or the suspense of it at all. Uh, it's got some great scenes. Like, there's some suspenseful scenes. It's got uh, Sergio Salvetti's camera work, and it's fantastic. I I love his um, his style of shooting because you'll never see anything like this, even in the 70s yeah. or 80s in an American film where they, you know, actually use the, the, the zoom and pan kind of stuff. Like... Uh, I've I've heard it criticized as being amateur esque. It actually reminds me of the way that some uh, um, camera is used in a lot of Hong Kong films and such. So basically, people will actually use that zoom lens and not. Yeah. It's not always a dolly shot or whatever, but um, it's used very effectively, and I really like it. It's a very, it's a very stylistic choice, and I can tell right away. You could show me three seconds of something, and I could pretty much figure out. Oh, I'm watching an Italian movie from the set, you know, 70s or 80s, but. Um, yeah, I like all. I also like all the close, you know, the eye line close ups and stuff. I mean, you'll see a lot of that in spaghetti yep. westerns and such too. And yeah, it's cool. But. Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, overall, I, I thought it, the photography of it is pretty, pretty well done. It's just the editing that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. You know, when you try to like take these really well shot images and put them into a narrative story, it doesn't seem to well, work that I'm well. not even sure what the narrative story is at the end of the day. Like you start to piece together like, okay, so this priest kills himself and it opens up these gates to hell. The gates, once the gates to hell open, the dead start to rise from the earth, you know, from, from their graves Anybody that dies kind of is resurrected. They all are coming after people. Why? Question mark. And and also, why did a priest committing suicide open the gates to hell? Even the Book of Enoch stuff didn't explain that per se, except yeah, that it does. Just, yeah, and and most of that being being that I know this is an Italian horror film from 1980 and it's a Fulci movie. I'm okay with with the suspension. I wouldn't even call it the suspension of disbelief. The like suspension of the narrative elements there. I, I'm okay with giving it some some rope, just to kind of being that I know I, I always know he's more more about style than the narrative. But this one's really stretches it thin. Like I I really don't know that this has a story. Well, and, like, and that's something <laughs> I I struggle with a lot with with various different filmmakers is if you have a good and, and Tim Burton's the one that I use as the, my most common example in this is mm-hmm. you know you you have a very distinct style and that's cool it's I mean that's the, the goal of every artist right to be able to somebody to look at your work and know exactly that it was yours just based yeah. on the style alone, that's great um, unfortunately for people for, for some filmmakers and I'm going to personally my personal opinion throughout tim burton and this one uh when your style gets in the way of you telling a story because you're a filmmaker there's a problem when your your style gets so in-depth that it gets in the way of the narrative story you're trying to tell with that style you know that's that's one of the hard things to balance um and i think fulci makes a couple of missteps with that as well throughout his career and this is one example Mm -hmm. where it looks like a Fulci movie. But story-wise, I don't really know what the hell is going on here. No, Um, I honestly think, like, he and the, uh, what was his uh, screenwriting partner on these couple of, uh, Dardano Sacchetti. Yeah, it kind of looks like they, you know, found an H.P. Lovecraft book and borrowed a couple elements from that and said, and basically, oh, we can make a movie out of that. (laughs) It's like, like we were talking about earlier, like that movie should basically make itself, and it just doesn't. No, <laughs> like it just like you don't, you don't have enough details. You don't have uh, interesting characters, and I kind of like the the main couple characters here. Actually, uh, Christopher George is pretty good as the reporter in this movie. Yeah, he's very he's very seventies leading man, a little bit too old for the role he's playing in this, but um, but I like him in general. Uh, Katrina McCall is great in all of these movies that she's in. I don't. Uh, she had a rapport apparently with with Fulci, who was kind of notoriously hard to work with, especially with his female uh, leads. But um, I think she's one of them that actually came out of the whole process and always has not had a whole lot bad to say about him. But <laughs> I, um, I will say that the scene in the cemetery where Peter helps save mary right mm-hmm. uh, and gets yep. her out of the grave that is is an incredibly tense scene yeah because she's in the grave and she's screaming and he thinks he hears her and he starts to walk away it really does play a good tug of war with the audience and then with him even trying to 
also illogically trying to get that yeah, casket open. door. Just open the friggin' casket door. No, let's <laughs> use a, a pickaxe through the metal because <laughs> it's got to be a metal casket. Um, yeah, that was... Why you would even think to open a casket that way, I'm not sure. And especially if you thought someone might be alive inside of it. Yeah, like, like it, that was really strange, but it built up some tension, so... It did, and it... I think that's going to be, at the end, what is memorable about this movie. There are some great scenes in this movie. Yep. It just doesn't go together very well. well. Style like over storytelling, once again, yeah. you know, so... Yeah, and then, like, I, like I've said multiple times, I always enjoy Sergio Savetti's... Uh, camera work in fact i think he's among you know some of the top most distinct cinematographers like you, you could watch something and be like oh this this looks like his work which is which is rare with the cinematographers because they they are almost always meant to kind of in, in in deliberately meant to kind of fade into the background you're not supposed to really notice a cinematographer and salvetti's work is not like that you definitely notice him yeah <laughs> and what he's doing with the camera so yeah but um so yeah i mean overall this this was a first time viewing for me so uh oh yeah we didn't do that part we usually do but yeah same here no um um, yeah i i I normally you know try to keep up with you know like what are some of the basic argento films i should see and fulci's one that mm -hmm. i haven't done enough of so this was a first time watch for me but it's cool because the more i watch his stuff the more i'm starting to see more about his style and this was, mm-hmm. I would say, probably one of the first ones where I really started seeing some pitfalls. So Yeah, yeah. I feel of... like there are pitfalls here. And, and the thing is, I've watched them out of order, because, like, I mean, not that you have yeah. to watch somebody's filmography in order, but from Zombie to this makes sense, and I, he continues to get better, because The Beyond is a better film, and then I really like House by the Cemetery. Like, so maybe I should go the other direction and check out a few of his later films, although I've heard they're, they're mixed quality yeah. as well but um yeah it's uh, and same here this is the first time watch this one always kind of holds the number two or three spot if you'll i mean obviously there's tons of lists you go google best fulci films or fulci films best to worst and you'll get you know lists of people ranking sure them. um it's almost always number one is the beyond that's pretty much the the winner on most of those lists this one will always almost always hold spot two or three and it'll be it'll usually be back or forth with zombie whether people appreciate zombie or not but um i'm not sure i agree with that assessment based on you know other ones and i've always already revealed that i i, I feel like the favorite of my faulty films that i've watched is house by the cemetery so yeah but um but yeah so i so i wanted to wanted to check this one out being that i've enjoyed some of his other ones um it didn't really disappoint me as much as I, as much as I just don't think it's a complete movie. Like the the narrative is really really thin here, and it's almost like a series of really great scenes strung together in a way that doesn't really make sense. So, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I would say, but pretty. pretty so that's kind kind of my review. I'll repeat a little bit of it, but we probably should go ahead and. Give this thing a grade, unless you have something else you want no, no, to get into. That was about it. Um, so, you know, like I just said, this is this is uh, the latest entry in my growing list of Fulci movies. I feel like I've seen a hand, uh, enough Argento stuff, not everything he's done, but as somebody to compare to, uh, to really understand the style and kind of what they were doing. 
And I know Fulci's always been a bit controversial, you know, being particularly more gory than uh, a number mm-hmm. of other directors, uh, contemporaries at his time. Uh, and from what I have seen of his films, yeah, this so far is probably the my least favorite. Um, even House by the Cemetery narratively can get a little weird at times, but it's yeah. much more coherent than than this one. Um, this movie takes a lot of effort for something that's only 94 minutes. It takes a lot yeah. of effort to really like, all right, what is he trying to say with this really bizarre edit and cut? Um, and that's not a good sign when your audience is, is struggling to kind of keep up with what you're trying to do again, stylistically over narratively, uh, these, these have to work in tandem in film. So, um, not the worst movie I've ever seen by a long shot. It's, it's not like horrible. There's some really good performances. There are some really effective gore shots. Um, (laughs) and, and there's some real creepy kind of atmospheric, uh, moments the score alone is is really quite good so overall and you know kind of placing this not just within Fulci's movies but kind of like zombie and weird kind of supernaturally i i this is it's a far stretch to call this lovecraftian it's really far yeah, it is. um right. you know other than just a couple of words i i'm gonna give this one a like just a, a c minus it's not terrible it's it's worth a watch if you're trying to really get up on on 1970s and 80s Italian horror and giallo. Yeah, this is definitely one for the list. But as as a film by itself, it's not the greatest. Yeah, um, I'm gonna agree with most of what you said. However, there's one I'll I'll take one uh, one thing differently in that I don't feel like this was a chore to get through. I feel like as bonkers as this movie is and how, how, how like at the end of it, when, if somebody were to ask you like, Oh, you just watched house of the cemetery. What's that one about? And you'd be like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, like, so, uh, the narrative just doesn't really come together. Um, I don't think at any point did I feel like it was hard to get through. Like it, it it's a thoroughly entertaining movie. I think from start to finish, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> and even right down to creative decisions. Like I'm not sure, um, we, and we didn't talk about, and we can even take a minute here, uh, and talk about the ending of the film. The ending of the film is a total head scratcher. Like, I'm not sure exactly what I was to make out of all of it. And I'll, I guess just go ahead and say, but like they're yeah. standing in, there's a kid, uh, John, 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 who's the, the town psychologist's girlfriend's younger brother, who like is a survivor among everybody in town and he was during the climax of the film he was in in some imminent danger and he survives and the the two lead actors after they come out of out of the tomb where they've just you know destroyed the the lead zombie man we didn't get to any of this we probably should have but the lead zombie by stabbing him in the crotch for some reason with uh, a crucifix large crucifix um which is a very odd decision as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think this conversation is uh, exactly where it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, so she, they, they see that he's survived. He sees them and, and he recognizes them from earlier and starts to run towards them as they're like, it's kind of like a scene where they're about to embrace. We get a shot of the two leads, um, Christopher George and Katrina McCall's characters, all of a sudden changing the expressions to terror and starting to scream and kind of like wave him away. 
and then we get a thump in the score and we get credits. <laughs> like and there's like a weird animation thing like a spider webby yeah that over his over, yeah, his over the face. last image of the kid, yeah. And it's and it literally left me like what the hell was supposed to, what is the ending of the movie? So I even jump on Wikipedia like okay, I didn't get nope. something. And with the Wikipedia description is Mary is relieved to see John John survive the ordeal, but becomes frightened and screams as everything fades to black. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what happened at the end of the movie. I couldn't tell you. I don't know if they just like didn't get what they wanted and just like I just finished it anyway, you know, like or whatever. It, but it, it, it definitely is nonsense. It definitely like, makes me wonder how much of it is legit and how much of it is bullshit when you get directors like Christopher Nolan when people are like, "So what really happened at the end of Inception?" And he goes, "Well, we wanted to leave that interpretation up to the viewers." Is that really it, or is this an <laughs> example of like we we just don't know how to tell this story? Yeah, like yeah. In this situation, I feel like there was an effect shot that didn't work, or like something just didn't like pan out, and so they're just like, whatever, that's how it ends. Like, you saw our scream, and then we cut to. Sp- I, uh, anyway, I have no idea what happened at the end of this movie. Uh, back, back to back to the reviewing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was thoroughly entertained by it, but I don't think it's it's Felci's best work. Um, it's. Totally worth checking out if you're into Fulci style-wise, if you're being any sort of a completionist. You're not going to be bored or disappointed in that part of this movie, but if you're looking for something that's satisfying in a narrative way, or just even makes a a lick of sense, this is not a movie that you want to watch. So, Um, I don't know. I I had fun watching it, but I can't possibly give it a higher grade than that. I think I'm going to go with a C+. Um, It is not my favorite Fulci. Uh, it might be at the bottom of the, the, and this is including conquest might be at the very bottom of the, of the barrel right now. Conquest is, it's kind of in the same, is in the same realm of being a very entertaining movie that makes absolutely no sense. So if you like that, then, uh, yeah, then kind of in the same boat, but yeah, I could see that. And we would also love to know what any of our listeners think of City of the Living Dead, which we didn't mention, but is available on a number of streaming services, including Tubi. I watched it on Shudder. Um, but yeah, it's it's widely available. Uh, but we'd love to know what any of your uh, thoughts are on the 1980 Lucio Fulci film City of the Living Dead. Have you seen this one before? How do you think it compares with other Italian splatter giallo films of the late 70s and early 80s and please feel free to send any of those questions comments criticisms or witticisms to the video junk air podcast at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter at video junk pod and on our facebook and instagram pages if you write it we'll read it and we look forward to hearing from you we do hope you will come back and join us for lots of exciting stuff coming up on the show uh we're going to be watching solar babies teen wolf attack of the 50 foot cam girl uh and something that ryan's going to pick for us uh anytime now, actually, I think he sent it to to me right here, but uh, I'll uh, we'll figure that out. But yeah, look, hope you'll come back and join us for more uh, reviews on the podcast. And we want to thank you once again for listening to the Video Junkyard podcast, and hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll share it around. And until next time, I'm Joe Peterson. And I'm Miracle Branson. She's still here. She's still in the house. She's in here, do you hear her?
You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.